Today we go back to the example of prayer and look more closely at the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus models for uh, the disciples. And I think this is a really timely passage for us today. For some of you, you've found prayer really difficult or perhaps really hard to get started. If that's you, then Jesus will unlock the heart of prayer to help break down those barriers so that you might be enjoying praying to God. For others, you might be here with a burden to pray. Whether you are a believer or not, you might be feeling this whole world is getting out of control. The things that you normally find controlling is slipping out of your grasps and you find yourself in need to come to God. Well, if that's you, then Jesus is going to give you great comfort by showing you how much God knows you, cares for you, and how freely you can come to him. So let's hear from Jesus and learn how we can pray and learn about the great privilege and joy it is to pray to God, who is our Father. We'll start from verse 7. Jesus says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus says the way we shouldn't pray is like the pagans who babble with many words when they pray. The pagan in Jesus' time taught that if they repeat the name of their gods frequently, if they chant it over and over, if they practice these ritualistic prayers, they would, they think, have a better chance of receiving an answer to their prayers. And they prayed this way to try to impress God, to try to get his attention, to show of their dedication and worthiness. Jesus says, don't pray like that. And the reason Jesus gives, he says, is your father knows what you need before you ask him. You don't need to pray with fancy words. You don't need to impress God with your words. You don't even need to make your prayers neat and tidy. It doesn't have to be presentable before God because, first of all, we approach God as our father in heaven, like a child approaches their Abba, their Daddy, or Papa in French. Children don't usually have formalities when they approach their dad. Children usually, like my child, barge in and storm in to their dad. Children have a wonderful freedom. They have this special privilege to come to their father really whenever they like. And God knows us as a father intimately knows his own children. God is not a distant God who doesn't really know us or is not close to us. No, God is a close father who is in an intimate, personal relationship with us. And so secondly, God is a father who not only knows who we are, He's also a very special father because he already knows our needs. This means God is never clueless. He's never ignorant of us. Like, we don't have to inform him of the things that he doesn't know. We don't have to try to persuade him with our needs. We don't have to craft a well-presented business case to persuade him of our requests. 
We don't have to impress him. We don't have to excite him. We don't have to pitch and present for him. We don't have to urge him as if he's reluctant or he's too busy. No, our needs and requests are not burdens to him where you have to somehow be polite or coil to God. No, God is our good father. He knows us and he knows our needs. And so we can simply freely come to him in prayer openly, directly, and even boldly. Because this would actually would have blown the minds of the early disciples because the Jews of Jesus' day, they only had a transcendent view of God. They preferred formal and exalted titles for God like the Sovereign Lord or the King of the Universe or anything like that. But to call God Abba, to call God Daddy, to call God Papa in such an intimate and informal way was unheard of. Because up until this point, the world's history, God was not commonly referred to as Father. And so when Jesus said this as the start of his prayer... This was a clismic shift in the history of the world from the lips of Jesus. Calling God Father is a privilege that the disciples of Jesus have. It's a privilege to come and talk to God as Daddy. And so the first point that Jesus is making is that if you struggle in prayer, it's actually because you're too focused on prayer. If you want to grow in prayer, don't focus on prayer focus on the Father. It's like when you're trying to ride a bike. If you keep your eyes on the bike, what happens? You end up falling down. The key to riding a bike is to not look at the bike, but is to look ahead so you know where you're going. It's the same thing with prayer. The goal of prayer is to go to the Father through the medium of prayer. And so focus on the Father and not focus on prayer. I think things will automatically, hopefully, become a lot easier. See, prayer has very little to do with the specific words. Prayer has everything to do with your understanding and of your relationship with God as dad. It has more, perhaps, more to do with your family background or your church background, and it has everything to do of how you see yourself as a child and how you see God as a father. A child is constantly and freely asking, Dad, what is that? Dad, can I do this? Dad, can I do that? Dad, can I have Duplo? Dad, can I do a wee-wee? Dad. A child is constantly, freely asking because they are always dependent on their parents. Always dependent on their parents. And so they're asking dad, mom, all the time. And so what makes prayer hard, I think, is actually not prayer, but being an adult. Because as adults, we are so prone to being self-dependent, aren't we? Which makes us ask less, not only of God, but even perhaps of each other. If you want to grow your prayer life, if you want to grow in your identity as a child of God, then the best way is to grow your understanding of God as Father. Because prayer is simply all about knowing and experiencing God as your Father. 
And Jesus goes on to teach more about God, our Father, by his model for prayer. The first thing that we pray for and learn about our Father is the Father's kingdom. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our heavenly Father happens to also be the King of kings. He rules and reigns over all kingdoms. His authority is over angels and demons, over presidents and prime ministers, over the land and the sea, over sickness and death, over sin and Satan. He has a kingdom that can't be thwarted. He has a kingdom that will never end. That is our Father in heaven. And there will one day be when his kingdom will fully reign so that there will be no sin, no war, no sickness, no tears, no death. And so Jesus says, when you pray, Father, he's praying, show us your kingdom, your kingdom come. Jesus is teaching us that is the heart cry for the Christian. And this means in the meantime, we live as the church seeking to make the invisible kingdom visible to live righteously, to act mercifully, to fight for justice, to live generously and care for the marginalized, to align our own will with the Father's will, to reorder our ways to the ways of the kingdom. And when you come to understand the holiness of our Father and the glory of his kingdom, when we praise our Father King, our desires and our priorities are reordered away from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of the Father. When we pray for his kingdom, it reorders our desires to yearn and ache for God's glory, for God's kingdom. We yearn and ache for love, peace, unity, forgiveness, and generosity for all mankind. And that's the first and foremost thing that we should ask our Father for. Jesus goes on to teach us about the Father's care. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. I think this is the prophetic word of 2020. Give us today our daily bread. Because at the start of the week, it was comical to see all the panic buying of toilet paper. People went to town on the memes. It was laughable to hear from someone in our church family about the partner in their firm who already bought $600 worth of canned food. I mean, I had a good chuckle to hear about someone who pinched 50 rolls of toilet paper from their church without anyone knowing. But as the week went on, and the videos of people fighting over toilet rolls in Woolies, my laughter turned to sadness and great sorrow. To see people who don't know the Father's care. I am so grieved, not about the irrationality, I'm so grieved that there's so many people who don't know their Father in heaven, who provides for their daily bread and provides for every good gift. It breaks my heart. 
Because when we pray for our Father to give us our daily bread, we reorientate our vision and trust. What we see and what we depend on in our lives is our Father, not the markets. Our Father, not the government. Our Father, not the security agency. Our Father, not the health departments. But our Father for every good gift. And Jesus is encouraging us to bring our needs to our Father who cares and will provide, to live in day-to-day dependence because we can, because we have a Father who cares and provides. And praying this request curbs our anxiety. It holds us back from living out the future before it happens because we are depending that God will have new mercies on that day And we can just focus today because God offers us new mercies today. It's not saying we can't be proactive and plan for the future. It's just that we are not to depend on our plans, but depend on our good and caring Father. For he cares and provides today and for tomorrow. Next, Jesus shows us the Father's forgiveness. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Our needs are not only physical, we also have relational needs. Sin breaks relationships, and sin ultimately breaks our relationship with God. To be with God, we need our sins forgiven. And notice in verse 14, if you jump down, that if you don't forgive others, it says, then God won't forgive you. Now, why does he say that? Is he saying that we need to be forgiving in order to earn God's forgiveness? Well, that can't be because we can never earn God's forgiveness. What Jesus is saying is that if you don't forgive others, then you're demonstrating that perhaps you never really experience God's forgiveness. If we have an unforgiving spirit that is witnessing to our unrepentant heart, And so we come to God, our Father, to confess our sins because he is a Father who is forgiving. And I always want to emphasize this because we talk about forgiveness week in, week out, but I don't want to let this wash over you because of God's forgiveness being so familiar. We actually live in a very unforgiving world. Don't even consider entering politics if you said something stupid on Twitter. Mistakes are dug out and displayed repeatedly in our viral culture. Our default mode is rage, not reconciliation. But with God the Father, he forgives and says, I remember your sins no more. That is so different to anything in our culture, that God would say, I remember your sins no more. What a great and amazing Father we have, for our Father forgives. And so we can freely and frequently confess our sins to the Father. Lastly, Jesus shows us the Father's protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The world that we live in is filled with trouble, temptation, darkness and deception And Jesus says this is all orchestrated by Satan, the evil one. 
And the picture that Jesus is painting here is a child holding onto his dad's hand and he says, Dad, lead me through this world. Because you see what I don't see, you know what I don't know, and so rather be anxious and stressed about the world, be troubled and be tempted, I'm just going to stick close to Dad. See, practically it means the primary way we fight temptation is not discipline or accountability. Those are helpful things, but I don't want to say they are secondary things. The primary way we fight temptation is sticking close to God the Father. It's seeking his leading, his guidance to protect you and I from the evil one who is out to get us. We need to pray for our Father to lead us because we are so prone to wondering. We can't do it without him. Jesus is saying there is a greater, clear, and present danger. And he goes by the name of Satan. Because Satan not only can take our lives, he can also take our souls. But we have Father who can lead us through this troubled world. We have a Father who knows us, knows us, sees us, and knows all. We have a Father that leads us, that protects us, who is greater and mighty than the evil one. See, what Jesus teaches us about prayer is that prayer is not to move or manipulate the Father, but our Father to lavish and lead us. Prayer is changing us to yearn and ache for the Father's kingdom, with the Father's care, the Father's forgiveness, and the Father's protection. Prayer is simply coming to your good Father with confidence and the freedom because His Son, Jesus Christ, paid the debt of our sins, the sins that we could never pay for ourselves to become children of the Most High King by our nature we have no right to. Want to grow in your prayer life? Then all you need to know is that you are loved no less than God's beloved Son. You are loved no less than God's beloved Son. You're loved to be heirs with Christ. You're loved to be resurrected with Christ. You're loved to be made holy like Christ. You are loved to live eternally with Christ. We can come to God, our Father. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and then we're going to break off in groups to pray to be like children. Go to Father. He's not going to get annoyed. Go to the Father. And using those headings, we can pray whatever comes to our hearts. We can pray for his kingdom, if that's on your heart. If you're troubled, you can, we can pray for his care. If you're hurting relationally, we can pray for his forgiveness. And if you're feeling fearful, we can pray for his protection.